right, everyone, welcome to episode 72 of Tunes Mate. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And today, Ray, we are talking about a favorite. Who are we talking about today? Yeah, he's definitely one of my favorites, Richard Marks. Richard Marks turned 60 on September 16th. It's weird to think about Richard Marks 60. He doesn't look it. He he, he looks seems to look better than he did 35 years ago, but yeah, he's 60. How did you get into Richard Marks? You know, I I remember when Don't Mean Nothing his first hit, right, came out, and I thought this is all right. And uh, Should Have Known Better was the second one, and that was like late fall of 1987. Uh, in fact, it was, well, even winter, because it, it hit number three right at the same time that like Faith was number one, and Is This Love by Whitesnake, I think, was number two at the time. And I think I think that was right when Richard Marks hit number three, or maybe it was a week or two before that he did. Like when uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth, we just did Belinda Carlisle was out, and mm-hmm. uh, I've had the time of my life and all that. Anyway, he was, you know, and I remember um, that January, in fact, January 1st, MTV was doing its top 100 video countdown for 1987. And I had just gotten a VCR and I was recording music videos. And uh, I almost didn't even record Richard Marx's videos. I was like only doing my favorites at the time. Later, I'd eventually record just about everything. But, you know, I was only doing my favorites and it was kind of like, well, I don't know if I want this or not. And, but then by... And then in the summer of 1988, for a week or two, I even like got mad at Richard Marx because I loved Def Leppard's uh, Pour Some Sugar on Me. I loved that song. I used to crank my TV. That video would come on. I would put the TV as loud as I could. In fact, one time my mom wasn't home and I turned the TV up at maximum volume and I'm like dancing around the room yelling out pour some sugar on me and she got home and she's like turn that thing down you know and it was like the classic you know like mm-hmm. like skit right of the you know mom comes home and you know and, and I remember getting pissed because pour some sugar on me was poised to hit number 1 and then uh, hold on to the nights leapfrogged it and hit number 1 for a week and then pour some sugar on me peaked at number 2 and I was actually like like, you know, I didn't, I was not, they didn't dislike him, but I was mad at him. Right. And, but then with repeat offender, right when that came out, I got that. And I remember 89, that was 89. Yep. Spring of 89 and satisfied was the first hit off of that. And I remember I got it and I heard right here waiting. And this was before it came out on, on the radio and I heard it. And on the, so on the, on the actual tape, I heard it's back in cassette tape. And I was like, this song is awesome. I was like, this is a hit. This is great. And of course it, it became really his biggest hit. It, you know, hit three weeks at number one in late summer, early fall of 89. And it was late summer, you know, and really to this day is one of his most known, probably his most known hit. That's certainly up there. And so that was about the time. And if you remember, I mean, you probably, you know, we're, you know, we're same age and everything right at that time, like all kinds of guys wanted to like learn the, the, the piano part, the opening piano part for right here. waiting, Right. And we all like sat around and practiced it. And I even, I got a Richard Marks songbook and I learned how to play the beginning of hold on to the nights and the beginning of right here waiting on my keyboard. And I, I actually, to this day, I owe him a, a sort of debt in terms of songwriting because I learned I was I was learning to write songs at the time. I learned the style that he did with first, fifth, 
an eighth key in the octave and you would you would do doon 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 you'd do three notes in in order first fifth eighth and then you'd play something over top of it and i even wrote a song that i still play to this day that was in that kind of style and he would and that's how right here waiting is and hold on to the knights didn't do the the three note progression but it used the same kind of chords and i i learned about songwriting from him and and that was when it stuck and that album had so many good songs on it and and i just to this day for me and for richard marx it's about the songwriting and of course we know that you know as for as much as he became the this this hit performer in the late 80s early 90s his his career has continued since then in large part because of his songwriting and he's written songs for so many different acts throughout the years and so for me it's it's about i mean he's he's crisp i mean i've i've seen him in concert a few times and he sounds like the album you know he is good he's good at his craft he crafts music he's 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 a good performer and and ultimately it's the songwriting there's so much there to unpack ray but i think the thing that stands out to me is you were doubtful at first <laughs> and then once he proved himself with these second album and really came out with a with just a deluge of hits and just kept doing it it kind of won you over and it also influenced you to write music that's great yeah yeah i really can't speak enough and it's funny because i said that and you know in retrospect those early hits i mean sure known better might actually be his great his best crafted song and followed up quickly by endless summer nights the one right after that and so it's funny how it took the second album really for, for it to catch me. And then I went back and reappreciated the first. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you kind of, you know, I remember you, you've talked about before the idea that Richard Marks like saved some of his, his good songs for a second album. I mean, he had been in, you know, working in the, the music scene for years. I mean, he had been, he sung back up with Lionel Richie. He had written uh, crazy with Kenny Rogers. You know, he had a, he had a book come out a little over a year ago where he tells it's called stories to tell. And he actually tells some of these stories from back in the day. And, and, you know, he had had a number of years there where he was perfecting his craft. So when his first album came out, he actually had a lot of material to, to use beyond the first album. And I think, you know, again, you've talked about that. He like, he had like a second album's worth of stuff ready to go or some of it anyway, and enough of it to know I've got a, you know, I don't want to be like a one hit wonder here. What one album wonder I want to, I want to have a good follow-up. Yeah, it's that software slump that a lot of artists face is yeah. they put all their best tunes on their first album and then they have nothing left. So the smart ones are <laughs> yep. just like Richard Marks, the Van Halens that have a bunch of songs around. They're like, we're going to save that one. And I think that's something to be said. This, as always, we like to put together our top five list. And I had a really hard time putting together my Richard Marks list because I had to go back and listen to all the songs. I, I haven't heard them in a long time because most of the songs that at least I hear are the you know two or three that they always seem to put mm-hmm. in rotation. So I went back and listened to them all. And it probably today's list is probably different, as we always say, as <laughs> probably if it were done many years ago. So I'd love to get into it and talk about the list. Okay, let's go. So what's at, what's at number five? All right, so creeping at number five for me was Take This Heart. Now, it edged out Should Have Known Better, which is at six. Mm-hmm. And it probably Should Have Known Better should be in my top five. I don't know how it did not make it there. But 
there's something about this song, Take This Heart, that it starts out rocking. It's in the stadium. They're talking about baseball. It's upbeat. I always like upbeat songs. And I've actually played this song when I've DJed some events down at the stadium. So if you think about a good stadium song, does Richard Marks have one? To me, I think this is Richard Marks' stadium song. And correct me if I'm wrong, because I think you know every single song <laughs> by Richard Marks. But this was the song that stood out to me as something I would want to listen to and I played in the past in a, in a large capacity. No, I think you're exactly right. Uh, the He has a number of songs that are, you know, up-tempo like this. Even Don't Mean Nothing that started off was like this, but that's not a stadium song. This is... You're exactly right. This, if I'm, I'm playing it out in my head right now, and it really does have a feel for you're rocking out at a stadium. You know, you're feeling good. You're in the moment. And of course, the video, you've kind of referenced the stadium and the baseball. The video, he does this. He's playing in a baseball stadium. He has uh, cameo appearances from uh, Tony LaRussa and Dennis Eckersley in the video. And he was he he used to be he's not so much of a sports fan anymore but he used to be a big baseball fan back in the day and he's a, he's from Chicago so he's a Cubs fan and you know all that and he although he got the White Sox manager in the the video so but yeah no I think you're exactly right this is this is his stadium song and it's funny because back in the day 30 years ago this probably would have hit my top 5 and it's one of the things like you just mentioned that you know things change over the years it's kind of drifted down a little bit. Some other things have kind of have moved up ahead of it, but um, I loved this song when it came out. It was on a rush street in late 91. It was a hit in uh, the summer of early summer of uh, 1992. Yeah. Yeah. Great tune. Great tune. You're exactly right. And his mullet was King in this video. <laughs> if I recall, it was definitely shining through. That's funny because really, if you think of baseball, the best mullet in baseball was Dennis Eckersley, who was in the video. So the mullet war. Yeah, so it, it was like the, the confluence of the great mullets. Bring it together. So what did you have at five? So mine was an, an, a track off of Rush Street as well. Uh, it was not a hit. It wasn't. A, I don't even think it was released as a single. It edges its way in here because it, was just, it just has a great sound. It's called Your World. And again, it's off the Rush Street album. Not one, not a song. A lot of folks are going to know. It's it's got this theme of this is your world now. It touches on environmentalism. You know, taking care of the planet is sort of the theme of it, and and also kind of uh, an ode to his uh, his young children at the time. I think his first two sons had been born by that time, and so it's just got a great sound to it. For a second there, I thought you were going to say, "Isn't it big boy now?" <laughs> yeah that that i mean that's got a similar theme right you're a big boy now although it's a little a little bit different that's another track off of rush street you know and it's funny because that's uh, i remember when we i remember i got rush street and we were we were in our our dorm there at uh bowling green and and i brought i got it at finders uh, records got brought the tape back and the very beginning there's this this sort of deep soul voice let's get busy and we looked at it and we're like what the heck is this and it and it was like what did it, what it, is did I get the right tape and then opens up into the first song uh, conscience is I can't remember the name the title of it now playing with fire yeah and 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 so we 
you know, we're like, okay, this is interesting. And it took us like until about song three to really kind of get into it. And then, you know, so at first I was like, I don't know about this album, the first listen through, but now it's my favorite Richard Marks album. I think Rush Street is so well done with so many songs on it. The, the ones that didn't even get released that are so good. It's got, it's got such good studio dynamic to it and um there's intricacy to the songs and so again i talked about his songwriting this may be the the pinnacle of richard mark's songwriting was rush street and yeah big boy now was on there and your world is on there as was take this heart yeah and he did it seems as though because i've studied this album too and we should one day probably do an album by album (laughs) of some of these songs but i mean rush street he teamed up with fee Weibel from the tubes on a couple of these tunes and i was looking this up and playing with fire with let's get busy that first track was actually written with steve lukather from toto so you think about that that kind of does have that kind of toto feel if you listen to that song again so it is interesting that you picked this album and i think this could be my favorite album by richard marks as well yeah yeah and i'm glad you mentioned steve lukather a billy joel shows up on this one there's so many he draws on so many artists and songwriters and producers from the, the music industry. And it's just got, again, it con- contributes to that great sound. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. So what you have at number four? Number four, I actually have a Rush Street track. So this is Keep Coming Back. And this was the same thing. I was going to tell the same exact story. We pop this in. We're like, what is this? And then when this song came on, I was like, all right, okay. I can see where this is going. But it's slow. It builds. It has Luther Vandross in it. And it's just a, this like funky, smooth kind of thing. But what always interests me was that later they released an album rock version. Mm-hmm. You remember AOR? Yep. They used to do that. But it had Eric Johnson on guitar. And that was the version. When I heard that version, and I don't believe, unless it's on a bonus <laughs> you know, some kind of bonus cut release of Rush Street. I have that version, and that's my favorite version is is that song. I do, sure, of course, Luther, I mean, he's smooth, but there's just something about Eric Johnson and the way he interprets the song and brings that into the mix that just took it over the top for me. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. I have the single version of the, the AOR version of it, and uh, it is it was, it was the first hit, the first single off of that album, it's in, it's representative of the craft that went into that album. As you said, then they've got, here he is drawn again on, you know, the, the industry and he gets Eric Johnson to do this AOR version of it. It's a smooth song. It's one of those songs that again, the, the very first time I heard it, I was kind of like, okay, you're kind of like, okay. And then it even grew on me more as it went. And it's just got such a, a subtle, smooth feel to it. And and again, it's it's the songwriting. And so, yeah, this is a great song. Absolutely great song. All right. Well, what do you got it for? So my, my number four, and I should say, keep coming back. I, I, I was shocked that I, that didn't even hit my top five, right? It's kind of like you said, it's hard. It was my top three were easy. And then after that, I, I literally four through 12, I could have done like any order, right? And, and keep coming back was one of those ones. So, but what ended up at number four for me was at the beginning. This was a song he did with Donna Summer. He probably, you know, people remember Donna Summer with for I Love You Always Forever. I hit number two, you know, a little over 25 years ago. 
And uh, right around that same time, so yeah, this is actually 25 years ago, the, the, the animated film Anastasia came out and Richard Marks did this duet with Donna Lewis called At the Beginning. And it's actually his last song to have hit the top 100. It just missed the top 40, peaked at number 45 in the winter of 97, 98. But it's got, it, again, it's, it's got a great feel to it. It's not one of his compositions, but well, it, actually it is partly his. Sorry, it was his composition. I, I forgot for a moment. So it's another one of these songs that he wrote. It's got his his signature piano stuff that he puts in there. It starts off with the piano. Uh, it's a different kind of piano feel than something like uh, Right Here Waiting. It's a piano feel that draws you in. It's got a real intense buildup and then kind of this denouement. And it, and it kind of then builds up again from there. And it's just got a beautiful sound to it. And I remember this song. And I think it's interesting. We talked about last podcast. We did the... Uh... Belinda Madonna. But what's interesting is Richard Marks did some soundtracks. I mean, there's there's probably two or three that I can think of instantly off my head. You probably know more of them. But it is interesting how this was a soundtrack song and did well. And there's something to be said about artists that have contributed to soundtracks and teamed up with another artist and Donna Lewis was a rising artist at that time, teamed up with her. So once again, Richard Marks is very strategic about some of the things he does. And I think that's why some artists do soundtracks. For example, Wolfgang Van Halen was just on the Barbie soundtrack. And you're like, what? Wolfgang? What? And he's like, yeah, I, I, lend, I lend a guitar solo to one of the songs. There's a reason they do that. It is called the music business. Yep. Yeah. And and just to correct myself, I was right. He he didn't write this one. I, I was, I didn't think that he did. And then I was looking at a list here and I saw another song above it had Richard Marks as songwriter and I was confusing for a minute. So yeah. Yeah. So, but, but it's the performance on this one and you're right. It's, it's uh, Richard Marks doing a soundtrack song. I mean, this is his actually his only soundtrack song to have actually hit the, the hot 100, but you're right. It, 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 the use of a soundtrack, this is part of the music business. It's part of how artists really sort of represent themselves in different ways. And like you said, with Wolfgang Van Halen, the same kind of thing. And, you know, we've obviously talked about, we talked about Madonna. We talked about Kenny Loggins, you know, some of really built a lot of soundtrack hits, but this one, it's, it's the right fit as well for, for his voice and his style. And uh, with Donna Lewis, there's a real excellent pairing there of, of their voices. And so, um, yeah, just comes out as a great performance. Well, what's interesting is I had down on my list, didn't make it, was Now and Forever, which I know was one of his later ballads. But if I recall, I thought that was on a movie soundtrack, and that's why I was citing it, because I don't know it was called The Fast Getaway, or I can't remember what movie it was oh. in. I think later it ended up one of his, his albums. But yeah. my sense was it was on a soundtrack and no you're right you're right i had forgotten it was it was in the uh the getaway the the film with kim basinger and alec baldwin you're right that's it so yeah it, so this was sort of a and, and and so this is the same time period right you know the mid 90s whereas i don't think he had done soundtracks in the late 80s and and early 90s he was i think a little more focused on his own album work and and it's representative of him branching out. This this song was also the first single from his Paid Vacation album. So so I think this was one where 
Got it. He had the song on the album. They also then chose to use it for the uh, soundtrack to the film. All right. I think we're up to number three. Yep. So for me, number three, I, I mentioned it earlier uh, as maybe his greatest crafted song, uh, Should Have Known Better. Again, it was his second hit, uh, Fall uh, to Winter of 1987. At the time, it didn't strike. It didn't really strike me. But when I look back and I think of the levels of sound, and to me, I've realized, especially recently, a lot of music to me, a lot of what I end up thinking as my favorite or good music is music that has intricacy of sound. And if you listen to this thing, the different forms of instrumentation that are all going on there's the part in it that almost sounds like a siren, you know, like a, uh, you know, because I should have known better, I'm in trouble. And there's like almost this police siren sound in it. The the bridge in the middle that really sort of changes the sound for a moment, um, but it still fits so well. Uh, to me, uh, you know, it, it this could have been number one, and it's only not number one because of some other reasons for the other two. But this song is such a good well-crafted song and it ends up at number three should have known better yeah it once again it was my number six i think this song is once again it it's an upbeat song it kind of puts you in a good mood it was it was hard for me not to make my top five yep that, that same kind of thing where that there were so many songs like crammed together there and it was hard to pick right and yeah yeah so it, yeah and it's hard for me to even think it's number three uh, so what's your number three? My number three is a Def Leppard song. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> my, my number three is Angelia. And this was off repeat offender. When I first heard this song, it's got like this bass kind of thing. And I actually thought it was a Def Leppard song when I first heard it. Because if you think about it, it I don't know what it would be like, but it just brings you in. There's a kind of majestic feel to it and i remember the story goes that he actually wrote it about a girl i don't know if he met her on a plane or something but he said that he could the name singing it wouldn't have worked so i don't know if it was like i don't i don't know what it was but he's like oh i'm just gonna go angelia so this song i just anytime it comes on i don't know if i'm in the grocery store or wherever it's like it just makes me, I don't relaxed, maybe would be the word. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. So a couple of things you mentioned, and this was another song that was right in that mix. And I almost made my top five and ended up at number about seven or eight or so and or nine right in that mix. I, this was the song that was on the radio. That was the hit on the radio late 89 when I first saw Richard Marks in concert for the first time. And uh, so it's always got sort of this uh, nostalgic appeal to me. You're right to make the Def Leppard a connection. He actually based the sound of this off of Pyromania. So he was looking for a sort of Def Leppard-ish wow. type sound. So the fact that you would make that connection is very appropriate. He was actually um, trying to do his own version of that sound. And Richard Marks has done this. And, and again, to me, this is a, a representative of his songwriting. When he put out his Christmas album years ago, he did a version of The Little Drummer Boy. And I remember listening to it and I was like, God, this sounds like U2. It's like a U2 version. And then I read about it and he was like, yeah, I wanted to go for a U2 sound on that song. Like this is his, his, this is his songwriting craft, right? 
this guy can take a style. He can take a, some artist or some genre style and say, okay, I'm going to craft something in this style and do it. And this is right. This song represents that with Def Leppard here. Here's, you know, and, and you're right. He met the, he met this airline attendant and he, he liked the name and he went with it. And that's that, that ended up becoming the song. I never knew that. And it just, it sensed that to me. And it's interesting. I mean, Billy Joel does a similar thing. And you mentioned Billy Joel earlier when he was asked about Uptown Girl. He's like, well, I wanted to make her Supreme song. That was, that was my version of a Supreme song. Yep. So, and you think about that, you can't get Uptown Girl out of your head. And it's, it's, this song is very similar. If you hear it, you've got to get another one to displace <laughs> it. And I think a lot of, a lot of Richard Marx songs are like that. And, you know, it's one of those things where not a lot of, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but you don't hear about Richard Marx anymore. But if you mention it, everyone knows yep. his songs. Yeah, you're right. He's not, you know, he put out, he's put out some album. He had a, an adult contemporary hit about two years ago, but uh, two, three years ago. But yeah, as a performer, people don't really, you know, necessarily think of him, but, but then you mention him and, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, people know, or they know his songs and they, even if they make fun of him because he's, you know, oh, the 80s, yeah, whatever, you know, oh, yeah, my mom really listens to him, you know, stuff like he's even joked about himself that way, right? right. You know, the the idea that, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. he, he'll, he'll meet these people, oh, you're Richard Marks, my mom loves your music, right? You know, that, you know, he's he's this old guy now, but you're exactly right, and, and this is exactly representative of that. And as you said, you can't get these songs out of your head. And with that in mind, what's your number two? Ah. My number two is Nothing Left Behind Us. So this song, you may not know until you hear it, but it has Vince Gill on backing vocals, the, one of the current Eagles members. <laughs> the, the Eagles will never retire, right? Hell will never freeze over. Oh, wait a minute. So if you hear this song, it sounds like it should be an Eagles song. And I wonder... If this is another song where Jamar said, you know, I'm going to write a song and it sounds like the Eagles. But if you listen to it, it's another one. This is a song that I actually will play uh, at events. It's just, it's kind of a nice background kind of a song. You know, you sing along to it. It's a beat. And I was surprised that it made it this high because there's so many other songs, you know, Write Her Waiting, Endless Summer Nights, Should Have Known Better. I mean, these, those are all the songs you know. This is that difference between today and years ago. Today, this song is at number two. Yeah, you know, and I'm actually, it, for, it, like you said, you think of it, it's not one that people know. I actually, I've heard it, I heard it at the grocery store a month or two ago, and I was like, wow, you don't hear this one that often. I think I might have even texted you that it was on. You know, I loved this song. This was off of Paid Vacation back in uh, 93, 94. And it was actually the the third single off of it. It got airplay, but it never hit the Hot 100. And it got it hit the top 20 on Adult Contemporary. It has a very Adult Contemporary feel. I don't know if he stylized this off the Eagles, like you said, but it absolutely has that style. Or I've always thought of it. This could have been a Vince Gill song, right? You know, as you said, Vince does backing vocals on it. And if you think about Vince Gill and his stuff. You know, and, and the bands he's been with before this, and it really could have just been a Vince Gill song. And this was at a time when Vince had his own sort of resurgence of a bit. 
trying to remember the name of the song that he had that was out. It's what's it's making me remind me of is that there probably should be a, a Yacht Rock Hall of Fame <laughs> because I think Vince Gill would be in it. Yeah. With some of his early songs. And if you could do a after that time period, because, you know, remember, we did the whole Yacht Rock episode, by the way, a.k.a. go back and listen yep. to that. There, there is a, uh, a time frame of where they kind of said, well, this is the isolated period of Yacht Rock. But there's been songs written after Yacht Rock that if we can induct yeah. songs into the Yacht Rock <laughs> playlist, I would induct this one. And then also the latest Jonas Brothers one, Waffle oh, House. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. those two should be definitely on Yacht Rock Hall of Fame Radio. Absolutely. No, this, this has that feel. You're exactly right. And of course, yeah, the Jonas brothers, uh, uh, uh waffle house, uh, the, the, I mean, it, it's, it sounds like the Doobie brothers or something, right. You know, and, but this is, this Bizarre. is, you're, you're right. And, and I remembered, uh, Vince Gill, at, this was right around the time just before it was just after this, uh, Vince Gill had that duet with Amy Grant house of love. That was a hit. And this was, he was having oh, yeah. a bit of resurgence and you're right. I mean, you think about Vince Gill's early stuff with pure Prairie league, I mean, that's Yacht Rock, right? And that's that time period, late 70s, early 80s. And so in a sense, mm-hmm. this is Richard Marx's Yacht Rock song again, right? Here's this guy who can take different styles. And and I just think of this as like a, a nice drivable song, right? I mean, I'm, I get on the road and I'm on the drive and this comes on. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a good trip, right? And same kind exactly. of thing with, with the yacht, right? You're on your boat and you, you get out on your boat and hey, this is good. We got nothing left behind us, man. We're going to have a good trip. What did you have? In I don't know. I think two? I'm off on a trip now, but um, <laughs> I, I can sense it. <laughs> but I mean, this, this is how good it is. And I, there's a reason why that was at number two. Like you said, it's not one, you know, and you might be surprised. And it's one that was in that, that big log jam for me, right? Of, you know, nothing left behind us. Well, but for number two, for me, I, I ended up with right here waiting. You know, again, I've talked about songwriting and I think this is representative of a different kind of songwriting for Richard it's his biggest hit. It's his most well-known hit. It was, you know, three weeks at number one on the Hot 100. You know, his the third of his three number one hits. Um, the 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 longest of his the longest stay of his three hits. Uh, the second release off of Repeat Offender. You know, again, it's synonymous with Richard Marks. Its songwriting is not as layered as something like Should Have Known Better. Oh, there's definitely layers there to this song, but it's simple in a way. Right. That that piano part at the very beginning that then recurs throughout the part that so many of us, you know, like 16, 17 year, 18 year olds were learning in the fall of 1989 and and were imitating. You don't even need anything else. Right. All you need is that piano line and people know what the song is. They know what you're doing. They know who it is. They know what this is. It 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 represents the time period. It was used at how many proms and homecoming dances and everything else. And. And the whole theme, right? No matter what you do, you know, wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm right here waiting for you, right? The the whole like, I mean, how many weddings did they use? Have they used this? It's, uh, it's it's sim- it's representative of everything with Richard Marks, and it ends up at number two for me. I mean, once again, I'm so surprised this did not make my list because I was that guy that sat down at the piano and learned to play this riff. I still play it because. It just sounds so good playing those chords across the piano. And I think you said it best where this was just part of that era. The song was played everywhere. And you couldn't get someone 
not out on a dance floor if you didn't play the. I mean, you play the song, everyone comes out. So for you to select this at number two, very fitting because I know how much of the 80s this song represents. You take this song out of the 1980s, you one less Bic lighter in the air. Yep. No, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, you think about the, and you think about, so in a sense, like you said, you know, take this heart is the stadium song. This is the, mm. this is the other stadium song, right? This is the lights down, lighters out, now cell phones out, right? This is, this is that stadium song. So you put these two to get those two together and you've got your both ends of your, your big stadium concert right there. Arena rock. Right. And so we go, we go from yacht rock to arena rock. Right. It's tell you, man, the guy can do everything. He's versatile. Yeah. Right. So, so what ends up at number one for you? Number one, you already said it earlier, but I don't believe it's on your list. I had don't mean nothing. And this was Richard Marks breakout hit. There's a story about this one and you probably know it well. It's, you know, he had this song he had sitting around and I think he had it on a demo tape. And this was the song, to my knowledge, that got him his recording contract. And if you think about this song, I think you said it earlier, where I think this song personally stands up with the test of time. There's a lot of songs that don't. I mean, you think about some of the 80s ballads, you put that on the area, oh yeah, that's 1980s. But I think if he did this song, and he did it straight up if he recorded it again. You know how Taylor, Taylor's version, let's re-record it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he did Richard Marks' version and he re-recorded it, and he, <laughs> however he planned to put the instrumentation together, this song, I think, is the most solid song that he has, in my opinion. And I think every time I play it, the, the riff, it's got a blues riff, mm-hmm. it's catchy, you sing along to it. It's got everything that Richard Marks represents. This is a song, and I believe you had said recently, he said, what's your favorite song? And you get tired of answering it, and he finally said, don't mean nothing. This was on my, I made a tape of rockin' songs, and it's funny because people will mock that and say, Richard Marks can't be rockin'. Well, this thing rocks, right? And and like, you, I blast this in the car. I mean, you get, yeah, you sing along with it. I mean, don't mean, and the feel of this, and the the, the you mentioned you know like the the sort of he did Richard's version right that's what the whole song's about right they might take a line or two you know a little bit of something means a lot little you know means a lot to you right you know the the idea that I mean this was this was a critique of the record industry so here's this guy like you know he's been trying to make it and he he writes this song that like critiques the whole process and it becomes his big hit and they you know they they put it on the album and it becomes his, his first big hit and, and, and is the, the song that introduces the world to Richard Marks and, and it, it rocks and it, it makes you feel like wanting to go, you know, sort of take on the man, right. You know, I'm going to, yeah, it don't mean nothing. You know, the, you know, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm not going to care. I'm going to go do what I want to do, you know, and and satisfied, right. Which was the first single from the next album was sort of the, the sequel to this, right. You know, I'm not going to give up till I'm satisfied. Right. And it had the same kind of rock, but this catches it even better. And so I think you're exactly right. There, there's all kinds of great reasons why this was number one. I mean, this was, an, yeah, in that mix I kept talking about, you know, from, you know, number four to 11 or whatever. I mean, it was it ended up like seven or eight on my list just because I, 
there was so much there and it was like, how does this not make your top, my top five? But um, yeah, there's every good reason for it to be number one. Yep. These lists are always hard. All right. I think I know what your number one is, but what's your number one? <laughs> yeah. My number one is a children of the night. It was the fifth single off of the repeat offender album. Uh, he wrote it about, there was a, an organization that worked with homeless kids in the California area uh, called children of the night. And proceeds from the sale of the single went to the Children of the Night Foundation. He used quotes from interviews with kids, with, with some of these, these kids, you know, how do they feel? What is it? You know, some of the, the lyrics of this come straight from the words of uh, kids who were being helped by the Children of the Night Foundation. And again, it, it's a testament then to his song cra- songwriting and crafting that he could do that with the lyrics, right? And create the lyrics. But t- to me then, again, I've said should have known better is I think his, his most n- effectively crafted song in terms of layers of sound, but this is right up there. And it may be, even though that might be the best, this maybe captures it as well as anything. And you get that wall of sound, that or- orchestral wall of sound that ends at, that builds up at the toward the end of this song and at the end of this song. And his daddy, his dad, who you know was who was an orchestra leader, even shows up in the video, like you know, conducting the orchestra. I mean, that build up at the end, and it just keeps da 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 da, and it just keeps building and building, and then the you know, rises to this crescendo at the end. I mean, I would just pump my fists and just, you know, just again, sort of that sing-along feel to it. Yeah, I, I just, I'd be like belting the lyrics to this out. And to me, this is like, if I could ever write a song like this, I would like pat myself on the back and say, okay, you've done it. Like, you're never going to surpass this moment in your life. You know, suck it in because this is the pinnacle of your life right now as a songwriter. This is it. And I remember this song and I remember you cranking this song (laughs) and I'm glad that you haven't wavered (laughs) on this song because there is something to say. This did not make my list because there's so many others that Richard Marks has created. And I really think he approached this song by saying, I'm going to create this masterpiece. And you said, I mean, it was one of the later singles that was released off the album. I think it's the last song on the album, one of the last songs. I just remember it being around the end right. of the album. Right. And it was perfectly fit where you kind of building to this orchestral feeling. And I think what you said that was interesting was that his dad appeared in it. There's only a couple songs if you think about it, when an artist has their father appear in it or someone, somebody else, whether it's their significant other. And I think it's fitting that this song had his dad in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's done. And you're right. It was the last song on the album. So it really kind of builds the, the final crescendo for the album, right. And leaves the album on this tremendous note. Yeah. There are a number of songs. Uh, Dance with my father is maybe the most well-known. It won him, won him a Grammy that he wrote about his dad and, you know, after his dad passed away and, um, there was num- Luther, right? Yeah. Luther, Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross. Again, right? Yep. Yep. And Luther Vandross was originally recorded it. And, um, 
and then Richard has done his own version since. But uh, yeah, it was originally uh, recorded by Luther Vandross. And um, and of course, then when you know when Luther Vandross passed away, that that hit Richard hard too. They were good friends, so there have been a number of sort of odes to his father in his his work throughout the years. In fact, I remember years ago I saw him, I saw him play with the Toledo Symphony Orchestra. A number of artists have done this, but he did this where he went around and he played with with local symphony orchestras, and he did one with the Toledo Symphony Orchestra, and I was right there, so I went to see it. Uh, I, I wrote about it on Toonsmate. You can go back, you know, it's 12, 13 years ago, but you can, you can go back and find my review of it. And there were, I write about the, the most poignant moments and probably the most, I mean, the one I'm, I'm starting to even well up just thinking about it. Uh, he, he talked about his dad a little bit and he, he talked about, I can't remember if it was lead into dance with my father. It might've been, or he had a song called through these veins off of one of his more one of his albums that was out at the time. But he talked about how his dad used to write, write commercial jingles, right? Like, uh, like chicken of the sea, um, uh, two scoops, right. And Kellogg's raisin bran. Right. And he said, he, he sang it and he sang the two scoops of Kellogg's raisin bran. He's like, my dad wrote that right. With, with like all of the pride that you could ever imagine a son having about something his dad did, right. The way that like, like when I think about, I was actually just talking to my son last, uh, last night and he was, he was singing through a few of my songs and he was like, you know, dad, you've written some good songs. And I, you know, as somebody who like, you know, I'm not a big song. I mean, I, I, I love to write songs and I don't have much time to do it. And here and there I do it. And I mean, I don't know that I've ever had a better moment in my life. I mean, I talk about if I ever wrote children of the night, I'd have that moment, but my son like starts, he'll start singing one of the songs he's, he, he knows that I've written. And the same thing here, like he, it's that pride that he has in his dad. And so you're right when his dad, for his dad to show up in the song and to, in the video and it was like an early one, it, probably his earliest sort of ode to his father. And it makes it all the more poignant. Can you tell that I like Richard Marks? Yes, you like Richard Marks. But even if you look back, he survived many times when he wasn't a pop star writing songs for other artists. If you think about it, in sync, some country artists, he even wrote the song that a lot of people don't realize, Edge of a Broken Heart by Vixen. Surrender to me, Robin Zander, and Nancy Wilson, those were big hits. People don't realize that he had a very significant mark. Even if you're not a fan of his music, you may be a fan of the songs that he wrote. And country music is huge. Country music could be bigger than most any other juggernaut in the music industry. And he has a behind the scenes mark on that too. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I think uh, Keith Urban was one that he he wrote a lot with. Um, he for a little while, that's what he was doing. He was writing for country music artists. You're right. He really sort of, you know, he kind of. I think. Well, you know, we've talked about before, right? That in the early '90s things changed, and after Rush Street, Now and Forever was his top, ten, his last top ten hit off a of Paid Vacation, and really, I think he, he he was sort of becoming an adult contemporary artist at that time, kind of like Kenny Loggins, etc. And really sort of, and, and again, that's another good friend of Richard's, right? Uh, you know, and he kind of realized things were changing and he went to the songwriting path and he went to working with other artists. You know, he was in 
Ringo Starr's all-star band for a while, you know, and he kind of realized this is where my, this is where I'm going to be able to continue to do what I want by writing for others, by allowing people to relive. And I, you know, I saw an interview recently and he was talking about, they're like, you know, some people get tired of playing, you know, their old songs and they're like, I want to, and he's like, no, you know, I wrote those songs. I don't get tired of playing them. And like you said, you know, don't mean nothing, still his favorite song. You know, he, he real, I think he kind of just realizes this is who I am and this is what I've been able to do. And I think he's incredibly thankful that he's even been able to do it. And so he's, he's made a real career out of writing for all these other songs and folks may not know, they know Richard Marks. They know Richard Marks. Well, we hope you enjoy the episode. I love counting down all the tracks. We'll post our lists. You can play it. Have a flashback if you haven't heard some of the music and add something to your playlist. Maybe there's a song here you're like, oh, I, I didn't realize that. I have another one to add to my yacht rock list. <laughs> or maybe I've got that stadium rock playlist that I need or the pump up list. Or maybe there's that that sad ballad list that you're like, yeah, I'm going to add this along with, you know, I got 10 CC and okay, I guess I'll add Richard Marks now. So if you're looking for something, that's what Tunes Mate's all about. We want to get you to think about songs you haven't thought about and break you out of that monotony. And Ray, you've just been continually publishing songs, whether it's, I just don't even know. I saw something the other day. I was like, I didn't realize Madeline Kahn had a TV show. Oh yes. Now I remember. <laughs> so it's funny to see those, uh, even those TV theme show songs and realize that that was a big part of the culture too, or now it's just a, it's a two second clip. Doo, doo, doo. Okay. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, no, I've kind of tried to, you know, in the daily eighties flashback, I want to cry a little bit of variety there. So and September always gets heavy because, you know, back in the day, that's when all the, the new shows would debut. So, you know, every September, usually there's a number of uh, old eighties TV show themes. And I actually, yeah, I actually remember that Madeline Kahn sitcom. <laughs> I even remember the actor, I can't remember his name now, who played her husband. I was like watching, I'm like, isn't this the one? And then I'm watching, I'm like, yep, that's the one. Yep. And those songs, they would go on. I mean, they were close to two minutes generally, like the intro. And that's generally about yeah. the, the, length of a hit song from the 50s so i mean those songs we could play it all the time and most of the time they would just be become part of your life or chart toppers so hearkening back when that's what we do here tunes mate don't forget subscribe to our podcast follow our blog and once again everyone here at tunes mate i'm mark and i'm ray and we will see you next time 